Yes. Week five is in the books. College football. Let's talk about it. So, everybody came into the weekend. This was sort of similar to week three where there wasn't the standout games. You know, we just came off of the games last week, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, and Bama. You know, just all these games that just got us prepared for more college football. But then this week, you know, ah, we had Utah and Oregon State Friday night. Of course, the Beavers came through 21-7 to and knocked off the Utes. Still no cam rising. Utah still can't move the football, still can't score. We knew that. You know, NC State and Louisville, I know a lot of people probably didn't like it. You know, defensive struggle, that's my thing. 13-10, to 10, Louisville pulled that out keeping my TCU dream alive. You know, uh, they got Notre Dame coming in this week, so that'll probably be the end of their chapter. But, uh, you know, BYU and Cincinnati was a pretty good game. But it just wasn't the names that everybody gets excited about. So first and foremost, before we get into Notre Dame and Duke, you know, let's just make sure, you know, we hope Riley Leonard is okay. You know, they say he's only going to miss three to four games. You know, I thought it was going to be worse than that by his reaction. You know, great sportsmanship by Sam Hartman. You know, we saw him go over to Riley Leonard and check on him and talk to him, give him some words of encouragement. You love to see that. But let's look at Duke. So before we get into that, you know, so Duke's on a bye this week. Then they host NC State next week. Then they go to Tallahassee. They go to Louisville. And then potentially Riley Leonard would be coming back for a Thursday night game against Wake Forest coming off of the short week. Well, that's going to be the tough part about it. They play Louisville on the 28th, play Wake on the 2nd. If not that game, then they get the long rest, and then they play North Carolina the week after in Chapel Hill on November 11th, Veterans Day. So that will be the nine-day rest coming off the Wake Forest game. But where did it go wrong for Duke? They had two turnovers. They didn't force any turnovers. So that's number one. You know, you got a better team coming into your place. You need turnovers. When they played Clemson, that was the thing. Muffed punts, interceptions, fumbles in the red zone. You know, so Notre Dame didn't comply with that. Now, my thought coming into the game was Notre Dame can't let Ohio State beat them twice, meaning that they can't be hungover. They can't be heartbroken we know that they might have won that game if they had 11 men on the field but you know you can't cry over spilled milk and duke was formidable enough to knock them off you know so fourth and 16 sam hartman the old kg vet runs for 17 yards keeps the game alive and audric estime takes it 30 yards with 31 seconds left to put the game away duke had one more chance And then, obviously, that didn't work out for them. So, Notre Dame ends up pulling out the win in Durham. College game day, great scene because, you know, this was the first time in school history that college game day went there. And I love that kind of stuff. You know, it's easy to go to A&M and Bama. It's easy to go to Florida, Tennessee. It's easy to go to Florida State, Miami. But I love when they go to the little guys like this. You know, a couple years ago, they went to Jackson State. They go to Harvard, Yale every so often. That's the kind of stuff that I like. That's representative of what I love about college football. But Duke had 30 more rushing yards on eight attempts than Notre Dame did. You know, so Duke didn't get 
beat from the standpoint of Notre Dame just dominated. These were two great lines in the trenches taking it out on each other. The big nasties getting it on. But Notre Dame was able to outlast Duke. And then we went on over to Oxford. You know, you talk about defense optional. Man, I tell you, LSU and Ole Miss, even though I'm the defensive guy, you know, this was a fun game. You know, Jaden Daniels, his defense is going to let him down because he's putting up Heisman numbers. You know, I still don't think he's the greatest quarterback or anything like that. I think he might be slightly overrated, but I can't argue with the numbers, right? So Malik Neighbors, you know, didn't uh, score a touchdown finally, you know, after the terror that he's been on eight catches for 102 yards. You know, I blinked. Ole Miss was up 21-7. to I blinked again. It was 31 to 28 at halftime. Both teams had combined for 700 yards, ended up finishing the game over 1,300 yards. You know, this was not the SEC football of your granddaddy, you know, but it was still a great game. Lane Kiffin finally gets the win against a big name opponent, against a big time ranked opponent. You know, it was the highest scoring game in FBS this year. Uh, you know, the highest game in the total series between LSU and Ole Miss. This was 112 points, you know. So, um, you know, I just, I don't know. Like, you know, 114 points, sorry. Uh, but Jackson Dart to Trey Harris with about 39 seconds left from 13 yards out. And the first thing I thought to myself was, Why'd you score so quickly or why'd you score? Hold it for the last second field goal. But we know we've seen kickers miss kicks. We've seen kicks get blocked. So I guess I'm okay with the score. LSU came right back down the field and had a chance, you know, but it fell short. Jackson Dart, 26 of 39, 389 yards. He had 50 yards rushing as well. Jaden Daniels, I mentioned his numbers, 27 of 36 for 414, four touchdowns, and he rushed for 99 yards. You know, what did I talk about? If Ole Miss would have been able to run the ball on Bama, they could have went into Tuscaloosa and did what a lot of people thought they could do. But Quinshawn Juckins, 33 carries, 177 yards. Now, Ole Miss, you got him going. I got one more player for you to get going. Zachary Franklin, transfer from UTSA. He only had one catch for eight yards in that game. But he is a great receiver. And, you know, over the next couple of weeks, you got Auburn, you got Georgia. Now's the time to start figuring this stuff out, you know. So Lane Kiffin, for the future, see what happens when you exercise a little discipline. If you'd have kept your mouth shut against Bama, you might have walked out of there with a victory. I didn't hear much from Lane Kiffin this weekend. Look at this. His team came, showed up to play, you know, 14 touchdowns total in this game. I want to know from you, did you like it, you know, or is this not the SEC that you know, or is this not the football that you like? So tell me how you feel about that in the comments. Then you go out to Boulder, the early game, Colorado and USC. Oh, Caleb Williams with six touchdowns. I love Shadur Sanders, but they are not the same. You know, now USC took their foot off the gas a little bit. You know, they were up 41 to 14. We thought this was going to be just like Oregon all over again. But Colorado did not give up. You got to give them credit for keeping it alive. Shador Sanders, 30 for 45 with four touchdowns and a pick. But it all comes back to the same thing. 
Shador has to fight for his life on every play, getting hit, getting sacked, getting pressured. Sean Lewis, you know, he was a name that I mentioned for the Michigan State job. And I don't know what he was doing the last drive that Colorado had when they scored the touchdown to make it a seven-point game, final score 48-41. to They got the ball back with about five minutes left, a little under five minutes, and they just kept running the ball. They weren't, they didn't have any urgency at all. And I don't necessarily have a problem with you running the ball because they were successful, you know, but it was just the point that they just weren't moving quick to the line. After a couple of runs, you would figure a play action here and there. The onside kick was terrible, you know, and Colorado ended up losing 48 to 41. Like I said, USC's defense is as bad as advertised. Alex Grinch must go. Now, if you're Lincoln Riley, you have to understand, because I figure you're a smart guy, the definition of insanity is trying to do the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Alex Grinch came with you from Oklahoma, and we don't have to get back into your playoff failures in Norman. So last year, you know, you gave him a chance. You know, he, yeah, it was the defense was probably worse than it was this year. They did, you know, Bear Alexander's coming this year made them somewhat better. But USC, you're not going to the playoff. You're not winning the national title. You're not a national title contender. You know, um, you got a few weeks, two weeks from now, or uh, next week, uh, Utah coming in. Then you got Notre Dame on the road. You know, you still got Washington and Oregon to go. Playing that type of defense, you'll be lucky to lose less than two games. You know, that's not a prediction. It's just the outlook. But remember, I didn't have USC making the playoff anyway. You know, my playoff was Washington, Michigan, Georgia, and Florida State. So keep your eye on that. Let's see what USC can do. So let's go around the nation. So we talked about Oregon State knocking off Utah on Friday night. Silas Bolden, my goodness, did he have a game. You know, two rushes for 53 yards and a touchdown. Six catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. You know, he made you say DJ who? Because when he got the ball in his hands, he was electric. He took over that game and the place was just lit up because Utah, Nate Johnson, eight for 23. You know, 101 yards, he got knocked out of the game. And, you know, by the time he got knocked out of the game, the game was pretty much over. Like, it was what, once Oregon scored 14 points, it just felt that the game was over. Utah wasn't going to be able to do anything. And, And unfortunately for the Utes, we were correct about that. Ray Davis from Kentucky, 26 carries, 280 yards. Four touchdowns against the vaunted Gator defense. But no sleep for the weary because you got to go between the hedges this week. So can Kentucky pull it off? I saw a 14 and a half point spread. You know, how do we feel about that out there? You guys think Kentucky got a chance? I think Kentucky does not have a chance, you know, uh, because Georgia coming off of the game against Auburn, 27 to 20. You know, Peyton Thorne had a 61-yard run. Auburn ran for over 200 yards, only had 84 passing yards. 
and they still lost 27 to 20 at Jordan Hare. I know it's a rivalry. I know it's tough. I know Jordan Hare is a tough place to play. But Georgia, we have seen enough of your shenanigans. We saw you fall behind 14 to 3 at the half against South Carolina, and then you turned it on in the second half. So I had a thought. And unfortunately, I had this thought because of who I am. But it took me back to 2014. Florida State coming off of the national title win over Auburn. Jameis Winston won the Heisman. Come back the next year. Went undefeated during the regular season. But there were a lot of games. There was a Louisville game where if it wasn't for Dalvin Cook, the dream would have ended then. There were games where Florida State would fall behind by two scores. And then they would just pull it out their ass, you know, literally. And then they got to the playoffs and we saw how it all fell apart against Oregon. Um, I think Georgia has fallen down that same path. We saw them fall behind the South Carolina. We saw UAB give them some issues in the first half. Yeah, they're coached by Trent Dilfer, but so what? You know, uh, they got Auburn. They were down 10 nothing. You know, and then like this game, like literally Auburn took the lead into the fourth quarter, 17 to 10. And if it wasn't for Brock Bowers, we would be sitting up here having a whole different conversation. You know, we would have started off this show talking about Georgia and not in a good way. Right. So Mississippi State, I'm tired of hearing about how tough the SEC is, how tough the SEC West is. Mississippi State has not beat Alabama since 2007. And a few years ago, you know, you'll hear me say this a lot, so I apologize in advance. But everybody said Cincinnati didn't deserve to be in the playoff. That same season, Alabama went into Mississippi State, Kyle Bills and all, and won 49 to 9. This week, with Jalen Milrow not even throwing 15 passes, Alabama beat. Mississippi State by 23. Stop telling me how tough Mississippi State is, okay? That's first and foremost. Second of all, congratulations, Mississippi State. You threw your first touchdown against Alabama since 2014, completed by a guy named Rain Dakota Prescott. That's how long it's been since you've thrown a touchdown pass. And that's a team that had Mike Leach, rest in peace, as their coach. Make it make sense. I'm done with the Mississippi State. Speaking of Bama, it's that week. It's that week. You know, two years ago, Kyle Field exploded. Haynes King, you know, we thought he was going to be a star. You know, they uh, kicked the field goal, beat Alabama 41 to 38. Last year, Bama was favored by 24 and a half. Everybody said, oh, this is going to be the ass-kicking Jimbo, Jimbo talking all the trash during the recruiting season and all this. And watch how, you know, look how God does his work and all that. And then it came down to the last play. And depending on if you want to believe Alabama players or not, the reason that that didn't work out for AM is because they saw or heard Jimbo say Evan Stewart's name, meaning that the ball was going to go to Evan Stewart on that play from the two yard line. Now, you and I both know. Evan Stewart was going to get the ball just because he's the AM's best receiver. But according to the Bama players, they were tipped off that it was going to go there. So AM fell two yards short last year in Tuscaloosa, 24 to 20. Back at Kyle Field this year. Do I smell an upset? 
Do I smell it? You know, but Carson Beck, you know, back to Georgia for a second. You know, I was down on Georgia. This this was their first road game of the season. I hate it, just like Michigan went on the road. But Michigan passed their test with flying colors, you know, 45 to 7 over Nebraska. Carson Beck, 23 of 33 for 313, a touchdown and a pick. But like I said, he still needed Bowers to save the day. But, you know, maybe this game will make him better now, you know, so we'll see what happens. We got Red River this week, the Red River shootout. Oklahoma looking for revenge from the 49 to nothing demolition that they suffered last year at the hands of the Longhorns. You know, do I smell an upset? Nah, not in that one. I think Texas is probably going to smack Oklahoma around. I'm not sold just yet on Oklahoma. Um, they look good. They look much improved. I like Dylan Gabriel, but I just don't know if they have the horses all across the board to hold up against Texas's pass rush and all that. So we'll see. We'll see. But I'm going with Texas for now. You know, and if you didn't get the hint earlier, I am picking AM over Alabama. So there's that. You know, Neil Brown, I feel like I talk about him every week. This man then went from the hot seat to probably getting a contract extension. They went into Fort Worth, into Amon Carter, and beat up on the Frogs. They lost players and everything. Redshirt freshman linebacker Trey Lathan, you know, had to stay in town to get surgery on his leg. You know, they uh, lost junior safety Aubrey Banks, you know, got carted out. And that was not enough to deter the Mountaineers. You know, TCU had a chance to tie it up with a field goal late, and it just didn't work out. So congratulations, West Virginia, 4-1. and one, Only loss at Happy Valley. They're not going to win the Big 12. They're not going to make the Big 12 championship game or anything like that. But you just got to give credit where it's due. You know, Neil Brown came into this season a dead man walking, and here we are, 4-1 and one, starting October. You know, Cade McNamara, Iowa, out for the season, it looks like. You know, not quite official yet, but it looks that way. Um, lower leg injury as well, his knee. Um, it sounds like, uh, depending on, like one of those things, depending on who you listen to, you know, there was rumors that he told a Michigan State player, I F my knee up, you know. So we'll see how that goes. Sparty put up the good fight. 26-16, Iowa. So they're back on track to get to the 325-point marker. We'll see what happens, you know. Like, they still got some schedule left, and we'll just have to see. You know, Bowling Green. Bowling Green, 38 unanswered points in Atlanta, and they knock off the Yellow Jackets. Now, Brent Key came into this season with some hope that, Georgia Tech was going to make a bowl game. He came in four and four as the interim last year, taking over a bad king, a bad team. They got Haynes King as the quarterback, you know. But yeah, they gave up thirty eight straight, thirty eight straight to Bowling Green, and thank goodness the ACC got rid of divisions, right? Because like your Miami or you know, you you would have been sitting in a division with Georgia Tech. Pitt, both Virginia schools, and by the way, Virginia Tech just beat Pitt. You know, like that would have been an awful division, like outside of North Carolina and Duke, you know, but there you go. But Pitt, they were supposed to be a sleeper in the ACC. You know, as a Florida State fan coming into the season, I heard many prognosticators say that Florida State better watch out 
for the trip to Pitt. Now Pitt sits 1-4, 0-2 in the ACC, and a loss to Cincinnati at home on the first ACC game ever on the CW. I don't know where it's going wrong. Pat Narduzzi, you know, I thought he was going to be the lead candidate for the Michigan State job. Michigan State might not even touch him at this point. I don't think he's on the hot seat. I think he's built enough at Pitt to at least get another year, provided they don't turn it around this year. You know, so uh, Dana Holgerson, you know, he's probably going to be one of the first coaches fired you know, along with Tom Allen at Indiana, you know, coming into the year, the joke was that when West Virginia and Houston played each other, it would basically be loser gets fired. So, you know, but it looks like Holgerson is going to hold that all on his own as they lose again to Texas Tech and their backups, you know, backup quarterback and everything, you know, time a week, you know, it's time to look at the G5s, who's going to make the G6, or I'm sorry, the New Year's 6. So, you know, you got undefeated Fresno State, you know, with another, you know, game this week. That's going to be tough. They're going to War Memorial Stadium up in Cheyenne, or I'm sorry, Laramie. Ask Texas Tech about it. Uh, so looking at their schedule left, that, that might be their last obstacle until the Mountain West title game where they're presumably – going to play Air Force, who we'll get to in a second. They get Boise at home, Fresno does. So I think if they can get past Wyoming this weekend, I think that they're locking up their spot in the title game. UNLV has been improved, but I don't think UNLV's there just yet. You got Marshall. The Thunder and Herd undefeated still, knocked off Virginia Tech. They got NC State this week. And you know what NC State has? They have a new quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, benched after the performance against Louisville on Friday night. They're going to turn the keys over to MJ Morris, who, if you remember, he came in for a couple of games last year, came back against Virginia Tech, was down 21 to 3, came back and led that comeback 22 to 21, you know, got hurt a couple of games later. So he's back now. But for Marshall, if they somehow get past NC State, they still have to go to South Alabama. They still have to go to Appalachian State. They got Georgia State on the road next week. And then they have James Madison on October 19th. Speaking of the Dukes, James Madison still undefeated. But guess what, folks? I regret to inform you, James Madison is not going to the New Year's Six. James Madison is not going to any bowl as it stands right now because of the stupid FBS transition rules. You know, you remember they were eligible last year record-wise and they got left out, tried to apply for a waiver, denied. So we'll see what happens this year. But they are not going to the New Year's Six. Then you got uh, Liberty. You know, Liberty. You know, big game against uh, Western Kentucky coming up on the 24th of this month. You know, they have Sam Houston. They're at Sam Houston State this week. That should be an easy win. Sam Houston State can't score. You know, they go to Western Kentucky on November 20, or sorry, October 24th. And then they have a game on November 11th at home against Old Dominion, one of those Virginia battles. Get through that, and they're undefeated. But I think they're going to lose to Western Kentucky, you know, not just because I go there, but I just think Western Kentucky is going to outscore them. And then finally, the Air Force Falcons we mentioned, 
They're at home against Wyoming next week. So how's that for Wyoming? You get Fresno at home this week, and you go down to Colorado Springs next week with a chance to play spoiler potentially. Uh, beyond that, you know, Air Force is on the bye this week, but on October 28th, they go to Fort Collins, CSU. Remember them? Jay Norvell and the gang. And then on uh, November 24th, they go to Boise. So that's the difference. They go to Boise, Fresno State gets them at home. So as we stand right now, I think Liberty has the best chance to go undefeated uh, just based off of competition. I think Western Kentucky beats them, but I also think there's a good chance that Fresno could lose to Wyoming this weekend. But uh, for right now, you know, we'll just say uh, Fresno is going to make the New Year's Six. They're in the driver's seat right now. They're also in the top 25. You know, you still got Tulane floating out there with their one loss to Ole Miss without Michael Pratt playing. So at Memphis on October 13th, that should be their last hurdle because UTSA is not what we thought they would be. You know, Frank Harris has been injured. We'll see if he comes back this week. You know, congrats to the BYU Cougars becoming the first of the four newcomers to get their first Big 12 win. You know, UCF came close against K-State last week. Um, you know, Cincinnati and BYU canceled each other out, but BYU was victorious. You know, Houston is just Houston, but BYU was able to pull it out. But I, I had to pause there because I thought about Baylor. Down 35-7, to seven, come back and beat UCF. Welcome back, Blake Shapin. He didn't play that well, but I think his presence, just old reliable, being steady and everything, just kept the offense in the game. His leadership came through and shown, which luckily they won that game or else we'd be talking about Dave Aranda and he might have got fired on the spot, you know. But Timmy McClain, I know you guys have seen it. I know you guys have heard about the highlight and everything. You know, this man ran about 70 yards across the field through the end zone on fourth and five to get a conversion, you know, comp completed a fourth and 17 on fourth down. But, of course, came down to the kicker. It's always the kicker, right? Always the kicker. You know, damn kickers. But um, Baylor, this is their first win against FBS teams since last November when they beat Oklahoma, you know, so that's a proud program that just, you know, yeah, it's been rough, you know, but it's the biggest comeback in school history, you know, and it topped the 61 58 win over TCU where TCU had a 21 point lead in the fourth quarter. And if you remember, that was the first year of the college football playoff back in 2014, you know, uh, Baylor pulled that win out against TCU. They both finished 11 and one. They were four and five in the polls, respectively. But everybody felt that this is the this is that old college football argument, right? We felt TCU was better, even though they or yeah, they felt TCU was better, even though Baylor beat TCU head to head. So then the Big 12, they didn't have a championship game at the time because they only had. Uh, they had less than 12 teams. They had the 10 teams. And the Big 12 commissioner at the time, the former commissioner, Bowlesby, comes out and announces that the Big 12 has co-champions. 
So, of course, Ohio State goes out 59-0, Big Ten title game over Wisconsin, jumped both in the polls. You know, Baylor had played two FCS schools that year, but they beat TCU. So strength of schedule just was wacky all the way around. And I just felt they screwed themselves. I thought it was stupid, though, because the Big 12 was the one conference that had a true champion because they played each other. Whereas in some conferences like this year, right, let's look at Ole Miss. You know, if you're Ole Miss, how upset are you? Because you already have to play A&M, LSU, Bama. Now you add Georgia to the schedule? You know what I mean? Like A&M ain't playing Georgia. LSU ain't playing Georgia. You know, but so that's why I liked that style of determining your conference champion because everybody played everybody and it wasn't just a money grab in the conference championship game. But, you know, but here we are, you know, we're reaching the halfway point of the season, you know, and then real quick, we'll look back at my picks real quick before we get out of here since we're reaching the halfway point. So in the ACC, I had Florida State beat Clemson in the ACC title game. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. Florida State will probably get there. But Clemson already has two conference losses at Duke and, of course, at home against Florida State. They still have to play North Carolina and Miami, who are both undefeated right now. You know, Duke lost to Notre Dame, but it is not a conference loss. So if they can hold it down until Riley Leonard gets back, they can make some noise in the race. And then, of course, Louisville is undefeated right now, too, who I announced as my pick to be the next TC or the closest thing to TCU as far as a team coming out of nowhere potentially making the college football playoff only because of their weak schedule, not because they're a good team. You know, in the Big Ten, you know, I had Michigan over Wisconsin. I think we're still in line for that, both undefeated in conference. I think Wisconsin's season is going to come down to the Iowa game. You know, obviously Michigan still has Ohio State and Penn State left, you know, and watch out for the Terps. You know, in the Pac-12, I had Washington and Oregon State. So, of course, Washington State screwed that up for me a little bit last week, but Oregon State came back, must win against the Utes, so we'll see how it all plays out. I don't think anybody's getting out of the Pac-12 unscathed, if you will. SEC, I had Georgia over Alabama, so we'll see. I'm picking A&M this weekend, so we'll see. Maybe it'll end up being Georgia and A&M. I would love to see Tennessee and A&M, but they play in a couple of weeks anyway. You know, and then in the Big 12, I had Kansas State upsetting Texas in the Big 12 championship game. So we'll see how that goes. But hey, like, review, subscribe, leave me some feedback in the comments. Let's chat, let's argue, let's have some discourse. Holla at your boy. 2 5. Sports reports is ordered. Out. <laughs> <laughs>